Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello and welcome to Sex, Psychics and Psychedelics, Discovering Inner Liberation. My name is Banana Jane Garnett. I'm a licensed psychotherapist, a lover of freedom and a relentless explorer of the mind. Please come join me on my journey in hot pursuit of inner illumination and liberation. For more about me, you can find me at the Banana Jane on Instagram. Now let's dive in. My next guest is psilocybin grower and educator, Eric Leander, host of the Kind Teacher Education Platform. Welcome, Eric. Thank you. I have a burning question. Sure, please. Who is the Kind Teacher? That's a great question. So the Kind Teacher is not a personal name. I am not the Kind Teacher. I am a conduit to the medicine. Okay, so you, you are Eric. I am Eric, okay. correct. Uh, I got the name because of plant teachers, that there are certain plant teachers in the world. And mushrooms and psilocybin are not a plant, so I needed to change the name. So I just came up with kind teacher. And it was just, uh, it was the idea behind it was mostly just that uh, psilocybin makes people better or kinder. And it's also a teacher and it will highlight what you need to examine in your life. So the idea for me is just that, again, I am the conduit to that. You are the conduit? Yes. Okay. And specifically, you're a grower and a sharer of wisdom. Is that correct? Correct. So I'm a cultivator. Uh, We grow our own as well. And I have experience with bringing over 2,000 people on the protocol. Okay, the protocol being a, a microdosing protocol? Microdosing and potentially, if people are aligned, a macro dose. Okay, so it seems like you're a kind of a, a bridge character. I guess, you know, that's a very generalized way of saying a shaman in a way, somebody who's bridging the worlds of sort of medicine we can't see and, <laughs> and the people that we have to deal with. To me, guru means more the remover of darkness. Right. You are the medicine, meaning. It's for everybody to heal themselves. They should be their own doctor, their own guru, uh, their own healer. That's the important thing. It's not me. It's not my integration. I, it, the medicine is doing it. And it's people who are basically facing or dealing with obstacles in their life. So I'm just the conduit to getting as high quality intentional medicine as possible. Intentional medicine? So the medicine itself has an intention? No, the people who are taking it. My, I have intentionality between cultivating it as medicine. So I don't sell for chocolates and recreational use, etc. So that's what I mean by that. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, why I found you uh, was because I believe that, at least in this message, we're very aligned. My path was well, thus far has been one of, you know, trying to find 
I don't know about gurus, but certainly because that always sounds a bit sort of ridiculous and loaded, but maybe one day I'll meet one and feel differently, one that I believe in, but but certainly amazing teachers. Uh, I was always looking for an amazing teacher and, and I was always looking, you know, initially, at least for that guy, you know, this was sort of a, a daddy issues thing, you know, that that brilliant man who could kind of guide me, you know, somebody who was certain, somebody who knew what the fuck was up, you know. And, um, you know, that could be a body worker, it could be a doctor, it could be an academic, it could be a mystic. I mean, I projected so much power onto so many people who were willing to absorb it. And I believe there's so much of that still going on in the helping professions. Then becoming a therapist myself, I noticed that my clients were projecting onto me some idea that I had the answers. And Mm -hmm. more and more, this problem became apparent to me. And it was this combination of everyone I invested power in disappointed me, inevitably, Mm -hmm. because they're humans. (laughs) But Mm -hmm. I always wanted Mm -hmm. them to be more. So that happened so many times that in the end, and with, with, you know, destructive consequences, in the end, I got the message. It took me quite a long time. In the end, I got the message, oh, great men don't have the answers. People don't have the answers. And I don't have the answers for other people. So Beautiful. What the fuck are you doing? You know? <laughs> this is why I don't like to be called the kind teacher personally. That's a name that I created because it, it's the kind teacher is not me per se. Yeah. So I don't like yeah. that projection personally. And when people, you know, I'm helping them to realize that they are the medicine. Well, you're not, you're not saying the kind guru and you're not even saying the kind shaman, but I mean, I, I think it's a good name. I like it because it, it does play with the question of who is the teacher. Already, yes. when you go to your Instagram, you're like, is it this guy? Is it, at least this is the way I look at it. Is it, is it Eric? Is it the mushrooms? Is it us? Is it love? You know, what, what is, <laughs> what or who is the ultimate teacher? And I think that's really on us to decide as individuals. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with you there a hundred percent. So, but, you know, now let's get granular about this. So we've got our overarching theme, right? Which is, you know, this is a journey of, of self-discovery and, and really autonomy and, and authenticity. But that is, you know, it's easy to say and harder to do. I certainly looking at my own path, you know, and somebody very privileged with lots of education, still found it very hard to kind of, it's sort of that letting go of, of uh, the rails, letting go of the idea that somebody knows something, you know, I think it's just really flat out scary when you start realizing that there's nothing to cling on to in a way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that, like that process? Uh, what, what comes to mind is when people macro dose and that there's this area that's kind of a purgatory area where you're still stuck in your head and you haven't taken enough and you are still trying to think through it. So for me, it's kind of like there's uh, beyond thinking into your body and then beyond that. I just want to define, okay, so we, we know that a microdose is this kind of like, it's like an antidepressant dose that doesn't get you really right. high. But a macrodose, you know, is that like a, a hero's dose of five milligrams? Is it two milligrams? Can you, can you guide us through that? Yes. So there's a misconception about weight because it's really potency or active. So it's not the matter of grams that makes any difference. Because if you have something that has low active, 0.5, 0.6, et cetera, and mine is 2.0, 
you would need four grams of that to equal one gram of mine. So just from a mycology standpoint first, we can just address that it's not the amount of grams. So there's a lot of different factors in there. When you harvest them, uh, when they're smaller and haven't sporated, they are more potent. And even within the bin-to-bin, batch-to-batch, there could be different potencies. So what I try and do is the smallest is more potent. So when, when I'm talking about a macro dose, I'm speaking about my medicine and what I think the correct amount is. But that does not mean if you have a chocolate that is four grams, it, it's kind of almost like wine. There's a lot of difference between them on some level, right? Well, yes, except that we know generally how one glass of wine is going to make us feel, whereas with mushrooms, it seems like there are a lot more variables. Yes, yes. So for me, a a dose or a journey would start at 3.5 grams of my medicine. Okay. And your medicine is strong? It is strong because it is freeze-dried. It is not uh, when you dry it in a dehydrator, it degrades the potency. And okay. so that's another factor with the weight, et cetera. How do we know? Like, how do we, do we take a certain amount and then just add more as we go? Or do we need to have a guide? Or what, what would you recommend for people who want to, want to explore the bigger doses? That's a great question. So for me, this is what I've found to be helpful. To me, it's really an inward journey. I don't look at it particularly that you, with a guide per se, that that's a personal opinion. But for me, when I like to journey, it's about taking a large enough dose so that I am out of my head into my body and beyond that. So what I would recommend is lemon tech. Lemon tech, what's that? Okay, so that's when you take lemon juice and you put it into a cup and then you grind up your dose and you let it sit uh, and you stir it every five minutes for 20 to 30 minutes. And what that is doing is that it is breaking down the cellular wall of the mushroom. And that is the part that your body is converting the psilocybin into psilocin. And so it is making it almost like pre-digested, a little bit like putting flame on charcoals for a barbecue or something like that. So it will be easier on your stomach. It will hit you faster so that you will know your dose if you've taken enough or not. It will last a shorter period of time, but it will also be more potent uh, because the conversion, that cellular wall um, of the mushroom, when your body is breaking it down, it will lose about 10 to 15% of potency. So this will make it 10 to 15% more potent by lemon teching. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, I think I've been doing a version of that. I've been making this mushroom honey tea that I add half a lemon to. And it seems to, I felt like it was almost doubling the potency, but maybe it was just increasing it by a bit. But it definitely made a difference. Adding the lemon definitely makes a difference. And for your listeners, I would also say that you cannot use uh, oranges. So you can use lime or lemon. Why not oranges? It's not acidic enough. It's not breaking down that well. Uh, okay. Okay. Grapefruit? Grapefruit, yes. <laughs> okay. Anything, any citrus <laughs> yeah. besides orange, yes. 
Okay. Okay. So that would be a way of, well, like it's a way of getting more bang for your buck and it's a way of getting it into your system. Quicker, but it's also a good way to know your dose. So in other words, you will know faster if you've taken enough or not. Uh, because you, it, you receive it quicker. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So my recommendation is to do three and a half grams to start and then wait for that. Obviously set and setting, you know, having a playlist, eye goggles, outdoors, whatever it's going to work for you as a person with it, with a guide, with it, whatever that is. But that's the amount of medicine that I would recommend to Lemon Tech. And Lemon Tech is a big thing that I encourage. Okay. So let's say we did 3.5 with Lemon Tech. And yeah, just to, to clarify, set and setting, set being, you know, your, where your mind is already, you know, we don't want to necessarily embark from like super dark places, hopefully from a place of sort of some, some kind of manageable mental state. And then having that time set aside, you know, I think that is yes. one of the most important pieces. If you feel like your kids are going to come home in three hours, do not do it. Correct. You know? <laughs> so Lemon Tech will shorten, but I've had a woman who did Lemon Tech and everybody's physiology is different. And she said that she was in her journey for 12 hours. Wow. Most people are four to six hours. Yeah. So I would leave ample time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a really would, good headline. If you lemon tech, this is the way when I journey, this is what I do. I get hungry and I get a little agitated. So I like to have a little something to eat, oatmeal, banana, whatever. Before you and journey. Before. Yeah. And then I start to lemon tech. And that will take 20 to 30 minutes. And that will pass out whatever it's currently in my gut. Okay, hold on. So, so you'll, after you ingest, you wait 20 to 30 minutes to see what the effect Correct. is. Okay, okay. And then you might be on a whole new planet or you might not. Right, you can <laughs> always take more. But in my personal experience and everybody who I've helped with this, nobody has ever told me that they've taken too much. The only thing that I've ever heard is that people didn't listen to my 3.5 and decided that they were going to do 2 or 1.5. And then yeah. they were stuck in that purgatory area. Well, I'm glad to have this conversation. Home. Yeah, because I feel like I would probably be one of those renegade rebel people who would think, okay, Eric says 3.5, but I'm sensitive and I'm not very heavy. So I'll probably modify that. And I'll yes. probably go to 2.5. But you think that would be a bad idea, even though I'm sensitive and not very heavy? I would say terrible. Oh, terrible. Oh, gosh. Okay. Because again, the only bad experiences that I have heard is that beyond set and setting, yeah. some people, they get a guide that's a friend to look after them. And then their friend tries to talk with them. Mm. And I had a, a famous surfer and he was for whatever reason, a little hesitant and invited a friend to make sure that he didn't, I'm not exactly sure what. And uh, his friend started talking to him about another friend and it brought him out of his journey and he had to redo it. So I've also had people decide that they should be taking a lower dose, quite like yourself, the rebels, let's call them. <laughs> and then they got on their phone. They started trying to think through it. Yeah, so there's, yeah, yeah. For smarter people and people who are in their head or have any stuck energies, looping, etc., you have to push through that. So it's like, to me, it's like swimming in the ocean or something like that. So it's like, 
you're only in the small waves or something like that. If you're in that, you're not actually really swimming yet. That That's my opinion, that you should take enough that you are not stuck in your head. And that's that purgatory area that we are talking about. Because the point of this is, as I see it, is to let the medicine do the help heal you. And so if you are trying to think your way through it intellectually, that's that being stuck in your head still. And so there's a certain point, which to me is 3.5 grams, that you are then into your body and beyond, wherever that is, and that the healing is happening and it's doing what it's trying to do. So now what's it trying to do for us? What does it want to do or for itself? I think the, it's trying to highlight in your life what you can examine from the different rigid, without the rigidity of that default mode network. Yeah. Trying to overpower. This is how I view it. So, for instance, I just spoke to a woman two days ago and she did five grams and she had a breast augmentation. Mm-hmm. She said that her breasts were really hurting her during this journey mm-hmm. for some reason. And so she recommend she told me about this. And I said, well, it's a good idea then to see a doctor. Mm-hmm. And she ended up finding out that she had some kind of infection or leakage in the breast implants that she had no awareness of before. Wow, that's helpful. So yeah. yeah. It, to me, when I say it's trying to do, it, it is trying its very best. Mm-hmm. to get you out of your rigid thinking, that default mode network, that rigidity. And so it's getting beyond that point where you are intellectually trying to understand what it's trying to do. Yeah, and I it just, sounds like more into that, getting you more into the kind of instinctual. I mean, I think we've probably all had examples of, of I mean, the the breast example is a good example of, you know, those things that are happening inside your system that you, on some level, you know. On some level, you know, something that you're doing or something that you've done wasn't good for you or that there's something going on with your body that isn't quite right, but you don't want to look at it and you're busy and you hope it'll just go away by itself. And so I do think that this kind of work does require a certain amount of bravery, you know? Yes. Yes. To me, there's a Rumi quote and says, the way to heal the pain is through it. Mm -hmm. So to me... Whenever you're trying to avoid looking at something, like pushing, famous uh, therapist was talking about this, Gabor Mate. It's about like pushing a ball below the, like in the pool. It's going to keep on wanting to come up. So this is helping you to see it from a different angle, right? Yeah. Well, it's helping you deal. I mean, I think long story short, it's helping you deal. So it's helping you feel and it's helping you deal. So I'm curious, Eric, what's your, you know, I can, I can feel there's a sort of calling in your work and I'm wondering where that comes from. What's, what's your backstory in a, in a nutshell? <laughs> in a nutshell, I'll make yeah. it as quick as possible. In Mexico, pre-pandemic, um, I was doing ayahuasca with a famous uh, shaman down here. And I really understood that, that uh, technology in general was taking over people and that they were going to want to live in some kind of virtual thing. And something about plant medicine and psychedelics and later mushrooms made me realize that this is what's combating this and that I really helped me to become a kinder, better person, specifically psilocybin. 
And it made me connect with myself on a level that was very painful, but on the other end of it came through and just helped me to become what I consider a better person. Can you think of something that you were doing before you started waking up through mushrooms that was not kind that you're not doing now or something that you're doing now that's kinder than what you were doing before? Let's, let's see if we can get something really specific. Because I think that for people, and you know, I, I certainly hope that uh, you know, a lot of my audience are people who, who are curious, but definitely not sold. And they're listening to a lot of people go on about how things have changed their lives, but they're not hearing the specifics of it. Like how has, you know, this made you happier? How has this made you kinder? But let's talk about kindness because you're the conduit for kind teaching. So, so let's talk about that. So I'm an artist in my day job or something like that. <laughs> uh-huh. um, and I was interested at the time just to kind of earn money and success and to have more shows, et cetera. And what the medicine, one of the things that it did on a, to make me kinder was to realize that when I created art, there wasn't that feeling afterwards. If somebody bought something, I didn't know if it was really improving their life on some level, right? And that it was really more about status for them. And it made me shift my energy and what I wanted to focus on to give back to be this conduit. So there was somebody in Mexico that I had met who was a neuroscientist who had a microdosing company. I started helping people with originally his medicine, bring it back to the States for people microdosing. And I started seeing really how it was so helpful for people. And for me, it was important to realize that it wasn't me per se that I did want to become a conduit for people to be able to heal themselves. And on a daily basis, I speak with people who are so grateful that they have this in their lives, particularly people with anxiety, extreme anxiety. And that to me is more of a focus for what I want to do and in terms of kindness. And that's how it's made me. So my energies are focused on this rather than selling somebody some art. Yeah, I can see that the art world does not prioritize kindness. There isn't a premium placed on on kindness. And as someone who moved from Hollywood into a more service-based industry, I do understand the, the satisfactions of, of service. It's definitely a more kind of connected way forwards. I'm curious that you said mostly anxiety. You've, is that you know who you're attracting as clients, anxious people, or you think it, this is specifically good for anxiety? I just feel that it works so effectively specifically for that because of the default mode network. There is this area of the brain, as we know, and it gets less circulation through it. But people who have very high anxiety, this works extremely extremely well for. Okay, let's get clear on this. For people with very high anxiety, would you recommend microdosing or macrodosing or both? That's a great question. So the way that I look at it personally is again, medicine makes people better. Medicine makes people better? Yes. 
small doses, large doses. Okay. So to me, it's, it's like meditation or yoga. You can mm-hmm. go on a yoga retreat and then you come back, you still want to do some yoga, right? You don't want to just be like, all right, well, great. I'm a little bit more flexible now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I personally recommend is a 90-day protocol to begin with. And you can either bookend it with a macro dose on either okay, wait, end. wait, wait, wait. A 90-day protocol of microdosing. Is that what we're Correct. talking about to yes. start? Okay, so three months of microdosing. Now, do you do two days on, one day off? For the beginning, slow and low, low dose, five days on, two days off. Ah, slow and low, five days on, two days off. Yes. Okay. It can be any five days and it doesn't have to be, again, doesn't have to be consecutive. But I think for what I have found with most people who lead stressful lives, et cetera, it's also about showing up for yourself consistently to practice, right? So again, like yoga or meditation, you can do it. You can go to meditation retreat for 10 days of silence, or you can practice, you know, 20 minutes twice a day. The way that I look at it is that you have to find that right balance for people. And that's where I can be helpful on some level. And it's a little bit like trial and error. So we have everybody who's from 50 milligrams to 1.5 grams of microdoses. Certain people with cluster headaches on a lot of medication or a traumatic brain injury need higher doses. And they need to then take it less frequently mm. because the dose is higher so it will still work. So for those people, it's three days per week. For, more, for other people, it's a lower dose, five days per week. But it can be anywhere between three to five. I have to say, you know, in all my findings, microdosing is, you know, consistently inconsistent in the sense that really results do vary. And I think that this is frustrating for people. Back to the idea we started with at the beginning of the podcast, which is, you know, I want certainty. I want a man in a white coat to tell me what to do. But really, we are getting beyond that model. We have to get beyond that model. And in a way, as frustrating as it is to not know exactly what protocol suits you, I think it's important to also see that the silver lining in this, which is the liberation of becoming your own doctor, becoming your own artist, becoming your own medicine person. And you do you ultimately, you know, figure it out. Thank you. Thank you. Like That's basically the mission statement. I understand why a doctor, if they only have 20 minutes to see you, wants to give you a script to just say, take this. It's, it's, you know, it's been the medical community agrees with it. And that's doling the receptors and it's getting everybody out of balance. So it would be very easy for me to just be like, here's the protocol. Have at it. Yeah. You know, Oh, you got heartburn? Great. Take these two capsules, get out of here. Thank you. It's a much different process what you're talking about to make people realize that they are the medicine, that they need to figure out what works for them. So again, too, it's it, they're going to feel it differently on every day because like a natural product and what's going to be highlighted if you ate a hamburger the night before, or if you didn't get enough sleep, it's going to affect you differently. So I have a lot of people contact me, even though I write this on the website and talk about it. So today I'm feeling this. Yes, because it is not a chemical that does the same thing every day. It's it's intuitive. Well, yeah, and it's it's actually an enhancer. And I mean, it blows my mind, this aspect of mushrooms. And I've been using mushrooms 
on a kind of more meditative level for, I don't know how long, like the last seven years maybe. And I rarely take them recreationally except with my boyfriend, which is kind of a bit different. It's a bit more of a kind of connecting tool for us. Yes. Um, I mean, it's fun, but it's not like, you know, going to a party. And But the other day I found myself in a situation with a group of people. We were on holiday and they were like, let's, let's do it. And I was like, okay, I hadn't done it for a while. It was a disaster. I mean, it was like, mm. it was so nuts for me because I, because I, you know, study all of this stuff. I was completely overwhelmed because there was so much information. You know, we went out to dinner on mushrooms, disaster group of people. I mean, I guess it could have been fun, but there was so the, the mushrooms were bringing up the trauma between the different couples. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There were all these different levels of experience going on. You know, there was the desire to connect. There was the traumatic material coming up. There was the fun that wanted to be had. There were a myriad of distractions. And there was sort of, it just felt like there was no satisfaction. I mean, that was kind of a theme of the evening anyway, I think. But that was one of the shadows that was being brought up. But, but I just remembered how chaotic it can be to take mushrooms in a kind of random environment. And I think that chaos can be really fun when you're young. I, I Personally, I have no interest in it now. It just feels exhausting. <laughs> but, you know, to, to each their own, but it's just kind of interesting. Yes. It, it, it's interesting too, because when I have consultations with people, they want to tell me what happened recreationally when they were in college and it has no bearing. Yeah. Like, so when I was in college, I decided to take mushrooms and go to Disneyland. It was one uh, of the worst decisions I've made in my life still to this day. It was one of the worst decisions I've made. So, you know, what you're doing unintentionally, uh, recreationally is not of my concern, basically, um, in terms, it's a very different thing when you set your set and setting and are, you know, and, and you're allowing that to those hours and, you know, that you're looking at it as a way to heal yourself. That being said, I also take higher doses when I go hiking, go to a museum, something that I enjoy to enhance it. But I don't take a the three and a half plus grams when I do that because it would, for me, that's disastrous as well. Yeah, that's, that uh, sounds quite like unmanageable. Yes. Transacting, yes. Yeah. I mean, I'm in Oaxaca, I've been to the mountains, and I remember being and trying to do like a simple transaction with somebody to get something to eat. And it was just like the most difficult experience. I was like, wait, I have money that's somewhere on me, I guess. How much do they want? What's going on? Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to realize they are very powerful magnifying glass to everything that is there. Um, so, you know, you want to want to think, where do I want to put that magnifying glass? You know, you're the one holding it. Where do you want to put it? Um, and and you will find out what's there. I think that it's interesting you said something. I was looking at your materials before this. Truth is kind. Let's talk about that. I mean, that's a big statement. Truth is kind. Mm-hmm. Is it? No. <laughs> so you're lying to your audience. Yes. Eric, Correct. Shame on you. Yes. I know. Shame on you. I know. Um, <laughs> trying to seduce people mm-hmm. in with false promises. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. I apologize for that. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm a terrible marketer. I'm not really sure why I did that. Or oh, it's quite I said good. That. It sucked me um, in. I was like, cool. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I, I, mean, yeah. I guess it does kind of sound, uh, no. Um, I also talk with people about macro dosing and they said like, oh, if you want an easy experience, watch a Disney film. Mm-hmm. Like if, you, if this is not about easy, it's about you being great and taking greatness 
from that experience. So if you want easy, this is not for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in terms of truth will ultimately set you free on the other side of it, but it will not be easy. Yeah. I think truth is helpful. Yes. Yes. It's not necessarily kind. Maybe we could say be, be kind with yourself as you face the truth. That is that. Uh, tell me where it is on my site, and I'll uh, <laughs> Sorry, and I will rework that. Small words. <laughs> I think that that would be. I think that that would be a lot more generous, for sure. And I apologize to anybody who I falsely said that was going to. No, be I think. I think. Look, kind. I think we need to be encouraged around the truth, and the reason is not for some <clears throat> sort of, you know, moral principle, but but the truth is. I would say where everything gets really interesting. Certainly for me, it's it it is it is the portal to to my expansion. I don't see another way. I've tried the other ways; they haven't particularly worked for me. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, well, on a community level, like to, let's encourage each other. You know, and I think that's something yes, we can do for each absolutely. other: be be kind teachers for each other, is find kind ways to show and to share teach. and encourage the truth and in each to other, ourselves yes. and to others, yes. absolutely, yeah. and to be generous. I I. That is definitely part of the mission for sure. Yeah. Uh, I just, something also, like I, I literally this morning had a conversation. So there's certain facilitators that I get uh, medicine for mm-hmm. um, who are practitioners who hold space for other people, et cetera. Yeah. And if they want to, you know, come up with their own line and microdose, it, it's all good for me. It doesn't matter. Um, but he told me about a, that since, he did a macro dose, very strong macro dose the other day that in his meditations that he was seeing everything that he was normally a very, I think he said like happy go lucky, optimistic person and that things were not seeming as pretty or uh, I, I don't remember his exact language, but it was a little bit uglier. He was saying, and I was saying, well, that's coming up for a reason and we don't know what that is yet. And so there isn't, you know, that back to what you were saying about truth is kind on the other side of that somewhere, there is that, but you, sometimes we need to sit with things that are uncomfortable and challenging. Yes, absolutely. And I would hazard a guess, I'm just taking the big old liberty here, because why not, that in the case of this individual his beautifully positive stance might be putting an imperceptible strain on his system and that once he's accepted that things are not just positive and he's allowed to have a foot in the in the difficult as well, he might actually feel the liberation of more balance in his life. I have to get him in contact with you. <laughs> this is why you're such a fantastic therapist. This is the baby. This is a, thank you so much. This is a baby psychic. But um, no, you know, it's intu- no, I, intuition. I do agree with you. Intuition develops over time, doesn't it? And you start to see things in balance when you, when you work with these medicines more. Yes. I think that the, yeah, the, the journey into the shadows is just so, it's so juicy and there's always, there's always gold there. And that's something you learn through, through experience and it sort of generates trust. And I think that's just so wonderful. I, I did want to also mention yeah. that, for me to, when mm. I'm called to do medicine, mm. there's a misconception out there that it's like, well, I'm having a stressful week next week, so I'm going to begin the week after or something like that. And actually, that's it's like the same to me in my mind. It's like people who say, like, I'm not flexible, so I don't do yoga. 
Well, that's the point of yoga too. So if you, it should help with those stresses. There's never going to be like a necessarily easy time. And when I get called to do the macro dose personally, it's when I'm having looping thoughts, when I feel stuck, when my ego, it's not like, okay, now everything is easy. It's less stressful. Now I can do this. It's more for me that it's calling me when those things are happening. Yeah, I like what you're saying. And I think it has big implications. You know, there's never sort of like a perfect time to do something, or you might think it's perfect time and it might not be. And some reason this is bringing up actually my my day to day and i i scheduled badly today my kids my teenagers got back from a trip to europe last night and i scheduled a bunch of podcasts today and i just i don't know what i just it was stupid i just you know it would have been great to have this is the way my mind's thinking it would have been great to have this spaciousness and now i'm not giving them enough and i'm now i'm going to have this pinch on me when i do these recordings and i caught myself in this whole like way of thinking about it. And I think this is sort of thanks somewhat to the psychedelics, which always kind of like catch you in these ruts and show you another way. I thought, oh, what if the way I'm thinking about this is is a rut? You know, what mm-hmm. if I actually can really enjoy this day? Which would require shaking off some of my mum guilt and shaking off my sense of limitation and just allowing myself to be a bit more joyful and exuberant about the whole damn thing. <laughs> well, <laughs> if I can be your therapist yes, for a minute, please. what I would tell you yes. is that it is never a good idea to not be kind and gentle to yourself. Whenever you're hard with yourself on any level, this is what the medicine has taught me, is that in my life, it's never worked. And it's really about treating yourself kind and then the outside world. Yeah, I mean, amen. Thank you. I it blows my mind how hard it is to walk that walk. I know it. I share it with others, and and yet that you know that high standard, that self criticism, it just comes in again and again and again and again. I mean, talk about defaults. It's amazing. It's amazing. So uh, again, yeah, kindness and community. Thank you for thank you for listening and thank yes. you for reminding and me of that. If I could recommend yeah. a macro dose for you. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna do it right now. Because, uh, right now. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, a, a microdose dinner <laughs> with friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Maybe with the kids, they'd probably they'd probably come on the ride with me. But um, but yeah, just to to um, just round up and go kind of into the bigger picture. I know you and I were both at the same psychedelics conference in Denver, yes. which was pretty wild. What was your takeaway? What do you think? My personal takeaway was that I got to personally meet a lot of people that I've been talking with very frequently in the, particularly the mycology world, but that I've been talking with over the phone for a year and a half and not, have not met in person that I speak with almost weekly. And it was just, for me, it was such a beautiful thing to have to get all of these different people that I knew and get them all together mm-hmm. and talking directly as a network and to build that community. So that was really beautiful for me. And also, Stamets is saying, um, and I had a conversation with him too about strains and how that wasn't the thing. Uh, but he also, you know, he said uh, psilocybin makes people, he didn't say better. Uh, nicer. So 
still seven makes people nicer. And uh, I think that um, that also was a big takeaway and understanding that, you know, just seeing the community grow in that kind of level, it also made me realize that it's going to be unstoppable. There, the movement is too strong. It's working. It's a crime against humanity that's not even more readily available. And that was just also seeing how that was taking place. There will not be a government saying that, you know, you can't that to outlaw a specific species of that is just like it's total lunacy and it's not going to be effective. And this is going to work no matter what. You know, I agree with you on the movement. I think it is unstoppable. I went to the MAPS psychedelic science conference, you know, the equivalent conference in 2017, and it felt like a hidden gem. I mean, it was fantastic. It was very exciting for me because I was just beginning to, you know, understand that this was a world of, of you know, real valid work, not just fun exploration. Um, and to see this conference leap forwards in scale. So it's been, I guess, yes, in six years to see this exponential growth. It's yes. Wild. Yes. And so many people I met, funnily enough, were had not yet taken the leap. I met, met a lot of people in both mental health and sort of physical health, a lot of nurses, a lot of people, uh, ER doctors, a lot of people who were in this mainstream of the medical and we're just dying to make that transition. And they were just about yes. to. And this conference was like tipping the scales. And so I thought it's not only reinforcing for those of us who have actually been in this movement for a long time, but for those and, and longer than you and I, right? The people who have been really mm -hmm. fucking slaving at this for, for decades. But, but yeah, then this whole sort of like new generation and the people who are more in the mainstream who are going to be tipping the scales even further. And so I think it was pretty, pretty exciting on that level. Um, and let's, I always like to sort of wrap up with a kind of a wish for the, for the future, like for you, if you could have a wish granted for your, for your work and for this psychedelic movement, what would it be? Mm -hmm. That's a big, profound question. Yeah. Yeah. And it, when you were talking about the psychedelic conference, I also just wanted to mention that there's this feeling amongst those people that you were just talking about, the therapists, mental health professionals, et cetera. But they're all kind of waiting for like some kind of diploma or government approval stamp. Okay, now you have this certificate and whatever. So I don't think that that is necessary. I think that if you're coming from a place of kindness and from the heart is what matters and that you have just a relationship to the medicine, that you understand where people are going through it, just through experience. So I encourage everybody who's listening, who wants to do this, that you, again, should be your own doctor, your own therapist, your own guru. And my goal is to get as much medicine out there to heal people as possible, to make them, as Paul Stamets said, nicer. I love the goal of making people nicer. I think that's really beautiful. I'm looking forward to the next time our paths cross in, in the mycelium network that we're we in. 100%. I would love to meet you in person. And I invite you to come down and see my lab. Yeah, where where is your lab? I would love to come and see it. It's in San Diego. Yeah, please. Next time you're back in town. I'll be back in shortly. And it would be my pleasure to host you. Yay! <laughs>
Thank you so much. Thank you for your time. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you. 